thread, a singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org. Hello again, everybody. This is Chuck Quinley, and I'm back with episode 45 of the Thread Podcast. Well, today you may again hear some natural sounds. It's been uh, torrentially raining, although it's starting to dry up a bit. And we've had some ups and downs this week at the old Quinley house. Uh, First of all, the staff has arrived from all over the world, different countries that they've come from the staff to help us run Media Light as a school, and uh, really excited about that. We had some severe flooding at the center, and so we had that cleaned up now, and the staff's been busy working and preparing to receive our students, and they come in next week, and we're going to kick off the school. It'll be kind of crazy for 10 weeks after that. Uh, but even as we're uh, gearing up and doing all that work and uh, – heaviness of that load. Uh, My son, Nathan, had a friend named Mark, and Mark came to visit us from Seattle, and the kids decided to go climb a waterfall. This one, they climbed some pretty high falls, but this one was actually a kind of moderate waterfall, but it it is 40 feet up. And five foot from the surface, uh, just as he was coming up that last piece to get a handhold and stand up and be on the top, Mark fell and uh, severely cut his uh, thigh. It's uh, been an awful, it's an awful wound. And so he's been in the hospital for a week, and Nathan has been in the room with him, and Sherry's been there as a nurse 24 hours a day, getting about three hours sleep, and Mark's going through his ordeal, and we're trying to get this uh, infection to stop and it's looking good finally in the last three days after four surgeries um, it looks like this infection is going down and they're able now to just work on the mend but you know as I've been watching uh, Sherry tending to him you know he's a we don't know Mark all that well but we know him pretty well now and Sherry has embraced him as though he was her her own son and to watch the kind of love that she is manifesting at the hospital. You know, she doesn't set any boundaries. She's just there 24 hours a day, four feet away from his bed, responding to any need that he has. And although she's tired from it, she enjoys it. it it's Her heart is wired to give and to love. And uh, that's something really special about my wife. And that ties into today's thread. Today's thread is a story about sacrificial love. Sacrificial love, this time from an old woman who didn't have much money. And uh, so if you don't have your Bible, uh, go get it. We're going to be in Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Uh, just to set the scene again, Jesus has been in conflicts in Jerusalem. He's brought the battle to the temple steps, and every day he's teaching in the temple. He's confronting the um, corruption in the religious system around the worship of God and all the different businesses that have 
uh, grown up around the worship of God to make money out of it and to regulate it and to order it. And he's been battling in the last two lessons. He's been head-to-head with the scribes, uh, the Bible thumpers and the people who see themselves as in charge of the Bible for everybody else. And uh, he's been battling with them, and part of the issue and part of the perversion uh, that has happened is that these men are professionally religious. They're paid to be religious. It's the way they make their living, and they are uh, paid to extend religiousness to others and to supervise religion and judge religion and uh, keep religion pure. And uh, it's it's a job for them. It's also a business for them, and it, it really frustrates him. Not that ministers need support. That's not the problem because Jesus was himself, the Scripture says, supported uh, by other people. And so to to be liberated by the people of God from the need to have a normal job so that you can focus yourself uh, on the kind of ministry that will be good for everyone uh, is a tradition uh, among Christians and, and among Jews. And so that wasn't the issue. It was just that these guys had had twisted it and it had become such a focus on money and power and their position, and so little of the focus was really anymore on the love of a heart toward God on a personal love relationship between God and a worshiper. And that's what he wants to bring their mind back to. So with that, let's go to Mark chapter 12, verse 41. I'll just read the text. It says, Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury, which is a box, an area that collects the money. And he saw how the people put money into the treasury, and many who were rich put in much and then one poor widow came and threw in two mites which make a quadrans which is like a penny so he called his disciples to himself and he said to them assuredly i say to you this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury they put in out of their abundance but she out of her poverty put in all she had her whole livelihood the widows two mites this is a famous story in christian lore and for good reason it contrasts in in this uh chapter it's a contrast with the professional religion of the scribes they get paid for it and then the heartfelt religion of simple folk like this woman that nobody thinks much of she's not a leader they don't ask her to teach she doesn't get a special seat and she is not a major donor in any sense of the word and yet in god's perspective as he looks on her giving he's so pleased with her he's so happy at what goes on in her life uh, professional religion uh last night uh actually i sat down to uh download an ipod an what do you call that podcast and um I was thinking about a guy that has really been a blessing to me. His website's called Internet Monk, Internet Monk, M-O-N-K dot com. Uh, his name's Michael Spencer, and he's just um, 
good-humored, uh, deep-thinking, prophetic voice uh, warning the church about the coming evangelical collapse because we're at odds with the culture and even with Jesus in a lot of ways. And the uh, it can't take the pressure. You can already see the children of evangelicals changing their their perspective and their direction. Uh, but anyway, uh, he's he's just so full of important things. And for me, he's been a real blessing as I do road trips uh, a year ago, especially in the States. We were traveling a lot, visiting churches, and I would listen to Michael Spencer's podcast while we were in the car. So it's been a while. Uh, we've been back in Thailand for about a year. And so I was thinking I, I wanted to hear some more from Michael. And I went online only to see that, you know, his podcast stopped a year ago. And I thought, that's not like him because he's an every week guy. So then I started looking him up. And uh, to my shock, I found that he had died, suddenly died. Uh, right after being diagnosed with cancer, he just went down and was gone. I was, I was grieving over that last night. And, you know, the loss of somebody who just really had a good heart and was a blessing to the church. And it, it made me think about another loss. Uh, I was on an airplane last year coming back from Akron, Ohio. And I sat by uh, a friend, someone I knew at a distance. And uh, we ended up being seated exactly by each other. And we started talking. And we talked about a, a man that has been a real inspiration to us in the, in the ministry. Uh, this was a, a pastor who then became like an overseer figure, and then later in his 60s, he walked away from his uh, sort of privileged position, and he started working in benevolence work with the poor. And uh, my friend Richard was quoting him because uh, this brother had just died. And so Richard said, this is what he told me. The purest, I wrote it down, the purest and best years of my ministry were in my young years before becoming a denominational official. And then after that, in the period after age 65, when I left those roles and I entered into benevolence work, and I regret that I ever became an official. It changed me. I had another leader with whom I entered into a pact that we would protect each other, and I'm disgusted that I ever stooped so low. But I found myself again after I left all of that behind. Um, when religion becomes your profession, it gets twisted. And, you know, the thread is for people who are leaders. And a lot of those who are leaders end up being so absorbed by the ministries that they're involved in that it becomes a full-time uh, occupation, and it needs to because things will, you know, things done on the side fall apart. So things that are truly important need somebody to dedicate themselves to it. I'm just contrasting, though, what happens sometimes when someone starts to see it as their job and it's no longer their heart. And, you know, here we've got this lady and there's just, you know, there's so many things we could talk about concerning her. It's a short story. But just the, the spirit of a giver, that which is in the heart of a giving person, they're just different. They're the gener- what generosity does to you when you stop calculating and deciding how much you'll give versus what you're getting back. And you just give. You just live to serve, live to love, live to give. You care about the poor. You, you share sacrificially. You share 
all the things that God has given you, and you don't keep, you know, keep so much back for yourself. And I, I see this this picture, you know, from chapter uh, twelve, verse forty-one. I can see Jesus in kind of a an alcove or a foyer area made of marble, and they've got these wooden uh, treasury boxes along the wall, and everybody's coming by, and some, you know, are giving in a, a showy way. And I see some shadows, you know, coming in sideways in the room. And then I watch this lady go up, and her clothes are shabby, and she's a little bit shaky. And she goes, and she takes her little money bag, and she just doesn't even look at what's in it. She just opens it up and turns it upside down and gives it you know, a little shake so the money comes out. And out roll two half-penny coins. And, I mean, no one would even notice it. They're the grubby, dirty money uh, that passes through so many hands. But Jesus sees her, and he is, just admires what he sees and you know, how giving, real giving, giving from the heart, how it makes you noble. And, you know, there's, there are all these that gave a percentage, you know, set percentage of what does God require, 10%. Oh, good. My kid said once, why in the world would God only require 10%? That's so, that's so generous of God. It's almost an insult that you'd only give God 10%. But, you know, there, I can see, you know, people that would, they're just, they want to know exactly what they have to give to not get in trouble with God. And so they've given their little 10% and they've, thrown it in, and it's like, I did my duty. And this lady is not even concerned about her duty. She is a giver. She loves God with all her heart and mind and soul and strength, and she gives not out of duty, not out of obligation. She gives out of love, and she gives everything. She doesn't hold anything back from God, anything God wants. It's his. She loves to give to God. And as Jesus watches this lady make that gift, he calls his disciples to him. He says, you've got to see this. You have to notice what just happened. And you can, you can pick up some things in, in the, the tone of his communication. One, he admires her. He feels her goodness. He feels her earnestness. He feels her love. And when he looks on her, he doesn't see her as as a, a broken person, he sees her as a noble person, a strong person in charge of her flesh. She has conquered the evil in her, and she's standing strong. She is good, and he admires it. Notice something else. He doesn't stop her. And as a missionary, this uh, this has been one of the oh, most humbling experiences. It's when God will send some poor person and it's usually a little old lady, and they want to put money in your hands for the ministry, and you look at their lifestyle, and you realize, I mean, they're on welfare level, and, and you look at how God has blessed you with a very normal life, and uh, you just don't want to touch that money. And I remember the first time someone that we had ministered to on the mission field, this has happened more than once, uh, someone we administered to on the mission field turned around and started sending money to us monthly. 
and uh, wrapping the money in aluminum foil, cash, uh, $10, $20, wrapping it in cash and sending it to us in the mail from that country so they couldn't x-ray the money and see that it was money. So she was thinking, you know, about theft and all that. But uh, and first time we got that envelope, we just looked at each other and said, wow, what are we going to do? But Jesus didn't stop her. Her heart told her to give. That makes her a giver. That gives her nobility. He let her give. He knows that God sees her giving. He knows that God will reward that. He knows that he doesn't have to uh, stop her from participating in giving when her heart is telling her to give. Something else I like is that he doesn't rush to add a teaching about her reward. There's not anything about her reward. He doesn't say, and it's good that she gave so much because you won't believe how God is now going to bless her. And this whole give to get thing that started with Oral Roberts and Seed Faith and all of that, I mean, it perverted giving. It changed the whole focus. If you look 100 years ago at how pastors taught giving, you gave because God is wonderful. You gave because God is generous. You gave whatever God had given you. You didn't have to go find something to give God. It's like a child that buys you a birthday present with money you gave them. Uh, you know, you gave because it was the right thing to do. You gave because people had needs. And then we twisted the thing into some marketing gimmicky thing. You give because you get. You give because you'll be rewarded. You give, and Jesus doesn't go into any of that. Now, he tells Peter, you know, Peter asks, what happens to those who give? And he, Jesus said, God gives back to you a hundred times more. And uh, so God doesn't owe anybody. He will reward lavishly. Jesus says, even for one cup of cold water given to somebody who needs it, God is watching that and he will reward it. But that's not the point. He's not rushing to add a teaching about reward. He just lets the spotlight rest on this woman. She has stepped onto the stage of history and she's about to get a place in scripture. And he just lets the spotlight stay right there on her and on her heart's pure, sincere love for God that with or without reward in this life or in the next life, this woman gave. She doesn't have to give. She wants to give. And she gives God everything that has uh, been so hard for her to gather. And that's what makes it even more precious. That's something that's in short supply, something that's not easy for her to come by. You know, to give God time probably wouldn't cost her very much. To give God money, that's going to take some effort. And David said, I will not give to God that which costs me nothing. So, brothers and sisters, may we all decide to be lavish lovers and lavish givers not calculated givers, not givers who expect an immediate payback from God, not investors in the kingdom, just givers. May we follow this woman's example and bless the heart of God and purify our own hearts so we get the nobility and the dignity that giving brought to this woman. Well, that's all for now. My soul is stirred. I feel good.
about this text and I want to apply it in my own life. If you want to talk to me directly, just email me, chuck at quinley.com. I would love to hear from you. God bless you. Till next time on Thread. Thread, a singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to emergenetwork.org.